Welcome to the Women's Health Wisdom and Wine podcast, a bi-weekly conversation with practitioners, providers, patients, and healers about complex reproductive medicine and women's health challenges, the value of an integrative approach to these challenges, many of the women's health topics you're already thinking about but uncomfortable talking about, and my personal favorite, wine. I'm your host, Dr. Lorena White, an integrative reproductive medicine and women's health provider, licensed acupuncturist, clinical herbalist, and a former labor support doula in the Washington, D.C. metro area. My goal is to bring women's health-specific evidence and expertise to the forefront of daily health and wellness news through informative conversations. If you have ideas, questions, and specific topics that you would like us to cover in future podcast episodes, please leave them in the comment section or send us an email. To learn more, visit the website at www. LorenaWhite.com. As you enjoy the podcast, conversations, and wine time, please remember that this podcast is not designed to be a substitute or bona fide relationship with a licensed or certified healthcare professional. September is Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. This month, yes, the entire month of September, we're switching up our podcast format as we transition from bi-weekly to weekly episodes. Each week during this month, You'll be hearing from me as I talk about PCOS from background and causal factors to case studies and integrative healing solutions. PCOS is one of the most common and most often misdiagnosed ovulatory disorders in women's health. This month is dedicated to raising awareness, educating the public, and conquering PCOS. You can help spread awareness by wearing teal throughout the month or simply pinning the teal ribbon on your clothing. Okay, let's get started. It is September, and guess what? That means it's Polycystic Ovarian Syndrome Awareness Month. And many of you are familiar with the acronym PCOS or PCOS, and a lot of you have received this diagnosis, but aren't quite sure what that means or how it's affecting you, other than that you've heard that it may affect your fertility or it may be affecting your period or something like that, but it's really nebulous and the diagnosis hasn't really been made clear or anything else like that. So what we're going to do is this whole month, we're going to change things up with the podcast and we're just going to focus every week with me, with my voice, talking about polycystic ovarian syndrome and really diving into what it is, what you can do, some of the myths, some of the facts and how we can really focus on the overall health and wellness, even with the diagnosis and how to not just eliminate the symptoms, but eliminate and address the root cause of the symptoms in the first place. So let's get started. So a little bit of background about PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. It is truly the most common endocrine or hormonal disorder in women that causes or results in enlarged ovaries, usually with small grape-like cysts on the outer edges of the ovary. And about 4 to 12%, depending on who you're talking to and what research you've read, about 4 to 12% of the women have PCOS. Um, and about 10% of those women who are diagnosed 
are diagnosed during their gynecologic visit. And sometimes women aren't ever diagnosed at all. They are just addressing the symptoms that are associated with PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. And a lot of times, you know, not until they're ready to conceive or they're trying to get pregnant are is when it's diagnosed or when it's talked about or even addressed. And oftentimes people will tell you that treatment can help, but the condition cannot be cured or prevented. In terms of prevention, it is genetic and there is a genetic component. In terms of cure, you're already, you're always, one will always have that gene or that genetic makeup with you. However, you can heal from polycystic ovarian syndrome. However, it does take work and it takes consistency. You do need a diagnosis. However, the diagnosis nowadays is more of a catch-all diagnosis. Most of the time when nobody knows what else it is, you may be diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it has at least four different manifestations, which we'll talk about later on in the month. Um, but it doesn't always look the same in each woman. And so we'll talk about those symptoms as well a little bit later on. The lab tests, imaging are always required just so you can see if there are cysts on the ovary, because sometimes you will be given a diagnosis of polycystic ovarian syndrome without cysts on your ovaries. Again, more about that later. And unless treated and consistent with the treatment, um, you will have the symptoms pretty much all your life. However, you can address those symptoms with some treatment that needs to be consistent and some dietary modification, some exercise modification, just overall lifestyle modification. But you can be, can you live a healthy life, conceive, be, get pregnant, all those things without having the irregular periods and things of the nature that we'll talk about a little later on. And Along with having polycystic ovarian syndrome, you're also, if you've been receiving this diagnosis, you are at an increased risk of diabetes, metabolic syndrome, heart disease, high blood pressure, and overall poor psychological well-being. So again, we've talked about it being genetic, and women are 50% more likely to have a child who has those symptoms. So when we're thinking about this in general, why is the prevalence so high, and why are we, do we talk about this so often? Why do we have a whole month dedicated to polycystic ovarian syndrome? Well, it's pretty a mixed bag of rationale and reasoning, but we'll start with the actual metabolic component. So let's going from the beginning. If you don't pr produce enough insulin, your blood sugar levels rise. That is the equivalent of diabetes. So insulin resistance is a form of presentation and that pretty much means that when one is unable to use the produced insulin effectively the blood sugar rises so you have insulin but your body's not able to use that insulin efficiently or effectively so one's body may try to pump out a high level of insulin in an effort to keep the blood sugar levels normal however when you have high insulin levels especially insulin that's not even being used that causes your ovaries to produce more androgen. Androgens are the equivalent to estrogen in females. This is pretty much the same thing as the male hormone, testosterone. So starting back in the beginning, your body doesn't produce enough insulin, your blood sugar levels rise. If you have insulin resistance, your body has insulin, but it's not using it well. And so it's trying to pump up more so that you can get more to be utilized. And when you have this high level of insulin, your ovaries produce more androgen or the equivalent of testosterone. Okay, next thing is when you have insulin resistance, you may also 
be having a body mass index that's above your normal range. That's a simple thing of saying that you might be overweight or have trouble losing weight or keeping weight off. And that means if you're having trouble losing weight, it's harder to lose weight. And so many women that come into my office, they are in that very position that things have changed. They're like, why is this happening? What's going on? And then when you talk, keep all those things together, then there's this diagnosis issue. So when we talk about the diagnosis issue, I would say at least out of every 10 women that come in with a PCOS diagnosis, at least six of them don't even have cysts on their ovaries. So that kind of is a almost a misnomer in a way because it doesn't necessarily have to do solely to do with the presence of cysts on your ovaries. Um, and the exact cause is unknown. And I say that in air quotes because I believe that there is a known cause. It's just that we, it, the presentation is so different that so many women show up with a PCOS diagnosis but they don't necessarily have all the same symptomatology. So there are several factors. We talked about one of them being the high androgen levels. And this is when you start, a woman starts developing more typical male traits, um, such as male pattern baldness, the increased androgens, again, prevent the ovaries from releasing an egg. So ovulation is affected and hair growth and acne in places that are usually um, more consistent with a male phenotype. So extra hair growth, namely on the face, the chest, um, places that we don't normally around the breast, places that we don't normally consider having hair growth when we're dealing with a female t phenotype. And acne, acne all over the place, the back, the face, the arms, the legs, the chest, stomach, places that we don't even think that acne should typically show up. So again, talking about insulin levels, the body just does not respond normally to insulin. So that results in overweight or obese individuals can also be exacerbated by unhealthy eating habits, not getting enough physical activity, and a family history of diabetes. Polycystic ovarian syndrome can also lead to type 2 diabetes. And so keeping in, in mind the overall genetic component of the syndrome. And so when we're looking at conventional medicine or Western medicine, overall, there's just a complete lack of understanding of the underlying pathophysiology of PCOS. It's just facts. Um, the heterogeneity of this disorder also lends PCOS to multiple underlying pathophysiologic mechanisms. So we're talking about gonadotropin releasing hormone secretion leading to increased luteinizing hormone secretion. All these hormones, again, are normally in charge of the brain, the ovary, the uterus connection, so that when these hormones are released from the brain, they act on the ovaries and, again, continue the natural process of a menstrual cycle. So when you have altered gonadotropin-releasing hormone, that means the hormone in the brain that's acting on the ovaries um, in terms of LH, that also affects the insulin secretion and the action of high insulin or high hyperinsulinemia that will lead to insulin resistance. And again, there's an overall defect in androgen synthesis, which again, increased ovarian, ovarian and androgen production. So all of this again is one big, one huge 
cycle of things that can go wrong and will go wrong. And so as we talk about polycystic ovarian syndrome, we're going to get to see again how this is not just a reproductive health disorder, but most importantly, this is a metabolic disorder. So let's talk about a metabolic disorder and you know where this comes from, what that actually looks like in one's body. So some of the symptoms of that can point to insulin resistance. So we're looking at the constant hunger. You're constantly hungry, so you're constantly eating. The more you eat, the more you know, calories that you're taking in and that will affect your inability to lose weight. And it's not just what you're eating, but it's that constant craving for sugar or sweet things or things that can turn to sugar in your body, carbohydrates. It doesn't necessarily have to be cakes and candy and sweets, but things that turn to sugar in your body. Sometimes you'll have migrating aches and pains all over your body, headaches, joint aches, abdominal aches, all over the body, things that just don't connect. And coupled with that, you're always tired and you just now have this central obesity that comes from who knows where. Again, turning back to your inability to lose weight, due to the constant hunger, the cravings for sugar, it kind of all ties in together. So when you couple that with insulin resistance, again, you're going to have this whole idea of not having enough sugar in the body. I mean, not having enough insulin in the body, too much sugar, not enough insulin, but the insulin that you have just isn't working well for you. So what we talk about is a hormone, overall hormone imbalance. Insulin resistance leads to hormone imbalance. Now in hormone imbalance, that can be addressed both in men and women completely differently because again, we don't call it polycystic ovarian syndrome in men. We call it something a little bit different a little bit like andropause, where there's erectile dysfunction, a loss of the overall strength, um, a loss of stamina, baldness, thinning hair, man breast or gynecomastia, and again, a lot of fat accumulation around the waist. And women, we call it polycystic ovarian syndrome. Again, can have symptoms of having a low thyroid when we think about that fatigue, the inability to lose weight, um, Again, exaggerated PMS symptoms, acne, facial hair, um, infertility, hair loss, things that, again, sometimes can be associated with a male phenotype. And when we look at that hormone balance, we're going to look at the estrogen dominance. So that estrogen dominance can, again, mimic a low thyroid. Then a low thyroid, giving that increased fat storage, that leads to upper abdominal obesity, that kind of tire around the middle. And then that, again, feeds into insulin resistance. And when we look at also insulin resistance, it affects all the other metabolic processes that go on in the body. That could be high cholesterol and your triglycerides, again, which leads to increased fat storage, which leads to upper abdominal obesity, and again, can lead to insulin resistance. So again, when we're looking at this, we're now looking at a metabolic disorder. And that changes the whole dynamic of what we're working with here. So again, it's not necessarily about a, a reproductive health disorder. It's a metabolic disorder that affects your reproductive system. So again, some organs that we're looking at that, again, the metabolic consequences and the reproductive consequences. In terms of genetics, prenatally, there's too much androgen in one's body um, for, for in terms of uh, the female phenotype. So the pancreas, again, 
has a decreased insulin response. Visceral fat is going to be increased. And also the hypothalamus and the pituitary are going to be affected on the reproductive side. So when you have your whole feedback loop of hormones and that is affected, that can lead to anovulation. Anovulation means you're during a menstrual cycle when you should be ovulating more or less around day 14. It's not happening. So if you don't have any eggs to ovulate, no matter how much sex you're having, you're not going to be able to get pregnant. No matter what the sperm looks like, you won't be able to get pregnant. Also, that's increased testosterone in the ovaries and that reduced negative feedback loop on the LH means that you're not going to be producing even the possibility of ovulating. And when you are, you're not ovulating an egg. Okay, so now going back to the metabolic side, we talked about the pancreas, we talked about visceral fat, um, how it affects now affecting the muscle, affecting the liver, again, increasing that insulin resistance, also leading to hyperglycemia, too much glucose in the blood. And we all know that when there's too much glucose in the blood, that leads to type 2 diabetes. So it is a metabolic syndrome with a reproductive with reproductive health consequences and that's where we're going to start right stop right now and we'll pick up next week when we start talking about clinical manifestations and the other things of importance so stay tuned and we'll talk later an important aspect of PCOS Awareness Month is advocacy whether it's by sharing your individual fertility story or supporting other women challenged by a PCOS diagnosis this month of September gives all of us the opportunity to join the conversation. Share your experiences to empower and uplift other women. Remember, empowered women empower women. See you next week.